welcome everybody to what's bound to be a very interesting experience on the Two Buck Sports Podcast. We're trying a first tonight by going live on Instagram. We're recording via QuickTime so y'all can have a video on YouTube, GarageBand so we can have audio, and then we have our esteemed co-host, Uncle Buck here. What's up, Buckets? We are in the same house. If you can't tell, uh, just look behind Rusty and look behind me, and you can see the same china cabinet here. So for the first time in Two Bucks Sports Podcast history, we're in the same building, and we have a third co-host tonight. You can't see him yet, but it's my dog, Ted. Ted's a good boy, and we're here. We're going to talk about some sports. We're going to take some questions. If anybody wants to join in, we're going to keep an eye on the Instagram live. Uh, for questions, and then we've got just uh, just a myriad of topics that we're going to cover here. So, uh, Rusty, you put together the the uh, the lineup here. So, why don't you just go ahead and get us started? How you want to get us started? I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. So, first of all, we all know that I am terrible at pronouncing names. This is a well-known fact if you've been following along. Yes. There's a comedian. And his name is uh, Bert Kersher. Kreischer. Kreischer. See, I was yes. so close. So close. And I caught a part of a podcast he was on this week, and it got me thinking. He was at a party with Christian McCaffrey, you know, running back for the San Francisco 49ers. And they were drunk, especially Bert, very drunk. Christian, probably not so much. I feel like Bert's natural waking up energy is a little bit tipsy. Very fair. So he corners CMC at this party and says, I got a question. He said, for $10,000, we're in this room. It's like 30 by 30. 30 by 30 foot room. Probably, you know, similar dimensions of where we are now. Pretty close. Okay. He says, for $10,000, do you think I could hold you down? Like, I could catch you and hold you down. <laughs> and CMC's okay. first question was, what kind of party is this? <laughs> uh, for $10,000, I don't think he could catch Christian McCaffrey. And that CMC's response was, Bert, there are guys who are 10 times more athletic than you that train all year long that cannot catch me. So do you think you could catch me? So my question is, Drew, for, an, we'll say 10,000, we'll keep it consistent. If we put you, and we'll just say Christian McCaffrey or some great athlete, Tyreek Hill, uh, Steph Curry, just some great athlete, if we put y'all in a room and said, all right, 20-minute timer, you have to catch them and hold them down, could you do it? Listen, let me tell you something, Rusty. So, as it's been talked about on this podcast before, I coach an 8U softball team, Coach Pitch, and uh, my 8-year-old daughter hit a hit a ball up the middle at me the other day, and I couldn't get out of the way of a softball <laughs> hit at about 7 miles per hour, and it squared me right on the knee. I'm going to tell you, you could offer me a million dollars if I... If he let me catch him, I couldn't hold him down. And if and if he didn't want to be caught, he couldn't be caught. You could give me an hour. I'm like, it's astonishing to me at 31 years old now, and I haven't always looked athletic, but I feel like I've got an athletic mindset. Like, I can shoot a basketball. I don't look like an idiot when I try to do athletic things. You played tennis back in the day. Yeah, and so – I don't feel like I, I look like an unathletic person when I do try to do athletic stuff. But let me tell you something. Compared to an NFL running back, mm. it would look as if Christian McCaffrey was trying to get tackled by the worst sumo wrestler in Japan. 
<laughs> so, yeah, there's just no chance at all that I would stand. You could put me in this. You could give me the same amount of money in the same competition. Could I take down and hold down, pick your NFL player <laughs> for $1 million? I couldn't catch Vince Wilfork today. <laughs> And he's been out of the league for like eight years. <laughs> and 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 keeping him down is just totally out of the question. But catching Vince Wilfork, there's no chance. Like, the no. only one maybe is Rodrigo Blankenship, former kicker at Georgia with okay. big glasses. Yeah. You throw a kicker in, but like a legit position player. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't thinking about kickers. Kickers aren't football players. Uh <laughs> Yeah, if I got on top of Rodrigo Blankenship, like if he let me lay on top of him in the way that I felt was most beneficial for mm-hmm. my cause, it, he may struggle for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't think my dog, you can see Ted here, look at old Ted. He's a 80-pound burn a doodle He could not get Christian McCaffrey. Nor Vince Wilfork. He honestly looks better on this podcast than both of us. So maybe Ted should just be the, the, <laughs> yeah. the face of the podcast. Say hey. So all right. So we got an Instagram comment. One of my coworkers, Kayla Helm. Shout out to Kayla. She is currently in Tampa, Florida, I think, for a wedding. Don't um, ask has me. asked for us to tell a joke. I mean, <laughs> I got some great corny dad jokes, but <laughs> okay. So this is funny. I was going. I thought about bringing this up today. All right. You know, one of my favorite comedians to watch clips of. Rest in peace is Norm Macdonald. Ooh, mm-hmm. And so I saw a clip of him today at the ESPYs in like the, I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And uh, it said, um, shoot, what was it? Give me a second. It, the, the, the caption was, Norm Macdonald tells a joke that King Griffey Jr. can't handle. <laughs> and so he's at the ESPYs hosting the ESPYs. He looks at Char- Charles Woodson. And he says, congratulations on the Heisman. That's an award that is so prestigious that no one can ever take away from you. Unless you murder your wife and a waiter. (laughs) 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 So, (laughs) then then the camera pans to King Griffith Jr. And he's just like, (laughs) just just looks away. (laughs) So, Kayla Helms, that's for you. No one can take your sports awards away unless you kill your wife and a waiter. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, if we're going just more in a traditional status, we're going to go one traditional dad joke here just to yeah, bring it back around. That's you. That's you. That's I got you. this. Not even a dad, but I got a great dad joke. So, where do you go if you want just a little drink? If I want just a little drink. Just a little drink. Where do you go if you want just a little drink? Communion at the Catholic Church. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mini soda. Oh my god. Okay. Transition us to the next topic. I, mean, I need to I need to head to the refrigerator for a second. Absolutely. So we're gonna kinda move along back into our sports topics for today. So Drew and I are talking about doing a draft, and we may do that as a separate little standalone because I, I Ah we're in it. Alright. So we have compiled the list of sixteen athletes in today's sporting world. Uh, we did not discriminate. We did not stay just to football, just to baseball, just to basketball. But y'all know people out there that you just, something about their face just doesn't work for you, right? Not saying they're ugly, because you see our, our co-hosts, we're not the best to look at. Yeah, there's but, a, 
Yeah, go ahead. These faces are just, there's something about them that just aggravates you. They make you mad. And you just want to punch them. And y'all know the type. Don't sit there and judge me. If you're watching on Instagram, if you're watching this later on YouTube, do not sit there and judge me and think that you do not have faces that you look at and go, I just want to punch that guy or gal. So Drew and I compiled 16 sporting figures that have the most punchable face in sports. Okay. For different reasons. You know, they may have hurt our beloved teams. They may just look punchable. They're just those dudes that everybody knows. They're just like, this guy just needs to be punched in the face. And we have 16 names that we're going to try to whittle down to who we think is the most punchable face in sports. Okay. So how do you want to tackle this? We've so we'll just do it draft style. We'll kind of work our way across and kind of keep up with it. So if we just do it, just a one versus a 16 seed. Good luck keeping up with this. And we'll see if we can okay. do this. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, <laughs> I'll set the table and I'll let Rusty pick first. Okay. You should have got a piece of paper. If we were smart, yeah. good podcasters, we would have um, done that. But. Yeah. So we're just going to keep up with it as we go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so the one seed, and Rusty put this list together. And, and let me be honest with all the listeners here. So we ranked them 1 through 16, but it has nothing to do with how punchable their face is, but in the order in which we thought about this person. Absolutely. These seeds are just arbitrary. So uh, the first first battle of punchable faces features a boxer, Mm. and not just a boxer. Not any boxer. But a YouTube boxer. (laughs) (laughs) So Jake Paul versus our favorite... James Harden like basketball player, James Harden light, light in Austin Reeves, yep. the uh, shooting guard, six man for the Los Angeles Lakers, who uh, most famously went viral last week in his post game press conference for looking like he was straight af- out of a Blink 182 cover band <laughs> with so, some messy hair. So, Rusty, who do you pick, Austin Rivers and Jake Paul? Austin Reeves, number one. Jake Paul has been punched in the face, so I think that loses some of its luster. The uh, laptop's unplugged over there. Plug it back. Plug it back in. I think it loses some of the luster. If somebody's been punched in the face, that's why Jordan Poole's not on this list. He got punched in the face by Draymond Green. Um, but Jake Paul has been punched in the face, so it kind of loses some of his luster. So I'm going to go with Austin Reeves. All right. So that's our one sixteen matchup. Austin Reeves takes the victory over Jake Paul. And I tend to. I don't know. I'm not going to let recency bias cloud me here because I have been watching a lot of the NBA playoffs, yeah. and Austin Reeves was very hard to watch. Very punchy. Um <laughs> Jake Paul is just the absolute tool of all tools, mm-hmm. and so I would have gone with Austin Reeves, but you got to pick. So, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I would have gone with Jake Paul, but you get to pick. So, with the next round, we have <laughs> – the ultimate baseball player, the prototypical. When you when people say that baseball players, everybody close your eyes for just a second. Humorous, if you're listening live, kind of play along. But close your eyes and picture a baseball player. Picture somebody from your community college or college or high school or favorite professional sports team, and you picture a guy with some flowy hair, with some some swag, as they say, these are pizzazz, if you will, wristbands, big chain, you know, the works, right? You're probably picturing one specific guy. Yes, and uh, on, in a second matchup here, we have one Bryce Harper. Yep. Um, the king of guy. all flow. Yeah. When he, and he's got the beard and the hair, and he likes to argue and yell at refs and get ejected from And he games. rips his hat off to unveil. Not only is he wearing a Phillies hat, but then he's got a Phillies headband underneath Well, you it. know what makes it an extra level in baseball toolishness mm-hmm. is when – 
every time you hit a double, you lose your helmet between mm, first and second absolutely, base. Absolutely. That is the ultimate community college <laughs> yeah. baseball player. So, no offense to our community college baseball players So uh, he's He's got a punchable face matchup with another boxer. Or baseball player. No. Oh, that is not uh, Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> no. That is Manny Machado, another <laughs> baseball player. And um, I get to pick this one. You do. And Manny Machado is a third baseman who now plays for the San Diego Padres, who once played for the Baltimore Orioles. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like all those small market teams, uh, he got traded away for picks and promise of a brighter future. Mm -hmm. And um, But we're just talking about punchable faces. And in baseball, there's not a more punchable face, and it's the easiest, easiest uh, choice of all time to go with Bryce Harper. Yeah, I agree. Good call. Bryce Harper is just that baseball guy that you think of, a baseball douche, if you will, um, that deserves to be punched in the face. So, Bryce Harper, shout out to Clark. My brother's a Phillies fan. Bryce Harper is our is moving on. Well, it's fitting that Clark gets to cheer for him because, you know, nobody roots harder for their team and their players than Clark. And mm -hmm. it's funny when somebody who I see as somebody with a high moral compass and integrity like Clark Witten, <laughs> for him to be forced – to cheer for a player like Barnes Harper <laughs> is just absolutely hysterical for it me. It works. So, it just works. All right. So, next, uh, you get probably the number one villain mm. of all Grizzlies fans mm. versus <clears throat> college baseball's, uh, college basketball sweetheart, the mustached man, Drew Timmy. Sweetheart. <laughs> from the University of Gonzaga going against another power forward who can't shoot from the Golden State Warriors. One Draymond Louise Green. <laughs> so, who, who do you pick? Because we were just talking. Uh, full disclosure, Rusty and I went and hung out for a little bit beforehand. And uh, we actually talked about how much Rusty hates Drew Timmy. And so, and I know he hates Draymond Green, so now you have this to pick tough. one. This is pick, tough. Pick your least favorite kid, Rusty. <sighs> this is tough. Um, you, know, you got Drew Timmy, who is setting up to be one of those guys who complains about every single call and whines and moans about everything that happens. He's Tim Duncan 2.0. He throws his hands up like he's never committed a foul. He's always in the ref's face. But I don't know that there's been a human on this planet that I have thought more about just punching in his mouth, breathing face. Keep in mind, it's it's not who do you hate more. No, no, I know. But it's, if you look at their picture, and that's Draymond. Who Green. do you want to punch? It's Draymond Green because he like he breathes like all of us during allergy season. Just talking about. <sighs> yeah, he's a mouth breather. Never breathes out of his nose. Always <laughs> breathing out of his mouth, and yeah. like it he's, bothers me. He's probably got a deviated septum. I mean, probably because obviously he's, he fights, folks. You know, he, he got in the preseason fight with Jordan Poole. For well, those of you who don't Jordan know Poole well. didn't get to fall, no, throw any punches. There was two punches. <laughs> yeah. Two hits. Two hits. Yeah. Draymond hitting him and Jordan Poole hitting the wall. Yeah, that was it. it. Um, but I'm going to go Draymond because mouth breathing, the history there, uh, Draymond Green is my victor in uh, round one over Drew Timmy. All right. So the next one is one of our beloved – Former beloved Memphis Grizzlies. The uh, he's a superstar that sucks, and if you don't agree, ask him because he is a superstar. And this one's easy. So uh, he's going up against Sidney Crosby. 
Sidney Crosby is a forward for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. One time I went to a Stanley Cup game, sat outside mm-hmm. in a bar mm-hmm. at Nashville mm-hmm. for a Predators and Penguins game three, Stanley Cup game. One of the greatest sporting events I've ever been to in my life. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not even get to go in the game, but watching it on the TV in a bar in Nashville mm-hmm. was in the top three sports sporting mm-hmm. events. Maybe number two only to Omaha mm-hmm. was that. However... We're talking about punchable faces here. Mm-hmm. He's going up against Dylan Brooks, the goateed man, the guy who braids his hair in devil horns. Um, so that's a pretty punchable face. And over the history, I love Dylan Brooks. I think he needs to play for another team, but I still, he's still one of us, you know. And in Memphis, we root for our own. Yep. Uh, conversely, Sidney Crosby, if he walked in this house right now, I don't know that I'd recognize him. <laughs> So it's Dylan Brooks there for me. Yeah. There you go. Trying to cater to our hockey fans out there. And so uh, Sid the Kid is eliminated by our former favorite villain. Yeah. And so another former Grizzly, you know what's on our mind more often than not. Mm-hmm. We've got Grayson Allen, the Trip King himself, former, <laughs> the former villain from Duke. And you know they've got plenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, back four or five years ago, he was the villain of all mm-hmm. of college basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to go up against – the villain of all golf, mm. the cheating man himself, yep. the P, uh, spurned the PGA Tour to go to live. He cheated it, got caught cheating multiple times, yet won multiple Masters tournaments, he Mr. Did. Patrick Reed. So, Rusty, what say you? Who would you rather punch between <sighs> Patrick Reed and Grayson Allen? Grayson Allen's only redeeming you know, quality, I guess, is the fact that he was a Grizz. Other than that, the guy was tripping people at Duke. I'm sure he's still tripping people in Milwaukee. Is he in Milwaukee still? Yes, Grayson Allen is still a Milwaukee buck. That's what I thought. And so I think that's the only redeeming factor. Um, Other than that, I got no love for Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed is a known cheater. He's open about it, blatant about it, doesn't care, is now on the live tour, which I know a lot of my friends, uh, particularly those I played golf with a few weeks ago, are anti-live, and I can understand that. Um, so for me, if I'm looking, you know, bias kind of leans me towards Patch Greed, and then I'm just looking people in the face, I think I'm still going Patch Greed. I would be honest with you. I mean, Grace Allen, if you just saw a headshot of Grace Allen, that's what I keep going back to. I guess so. If you just saw a headshot, you would think he was an accountant at some sure. Fortune 500, maybe a Wall Street What do you guy. think Patrick Reed is? You would think he needs to be punched. Exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so Patrick Reed. You would think that he is some sort of yeah. laborer that's had too much to drink and is yeah. talking too much. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed. I think we're getting a lot of reverb audio on the Instagram live. Okay. Uh, if you're in our Instagram live right now, let us know if it's hard to hear and we may be able to make some adjustments here. Yeah. Um, until then, we're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the next, to face Patrick Reed in the next round, we have another golfer, mm-hmm. Steroid King himself, the Alex Rodriguez, the Barry Bonds of golf. Mm. However, he's just not as good. Not while doing all. steroids. Bryson DeChambeau. Recently hit another professional golfer in the back on another tee box. I don't know if you saw that video or I, not. I did not see Kevin that. Kevin Pigman was lining up to tee off, and he gets up to his, you know, he approaches the ball, get, dresses the ball, gets ready to hit. 
clearly somebody calls out, you know, four right. He ducks, covers his head, and gets hit right between the shoulder blades on an errant drive by one Bryson DeChambeau. And Bryson DeChambeau also wears one of those Puma um, Peaky those Blinders hats. You that know? you can only wear if you're really good. Like you can't <laughs> no, rock you can't the hat wear them at all. Or you can't rock the bucket hat unless you're really good. I'll be honest with you. So the uh, the cabbie hat that DeChambeau wears, you can only wear that if you wear stockings and commit go to the era. Go full paint Yeah, yeah, go full paint steward. That's mm-hmm. correct. Uh, and so Bryson DeChambeau is going to go up against the president, the CEO of the NFL, <laughs> a great matchup. Roger Goodell. I, I feel like if I had a lot of money, and this podcast between the two of us had a lot of money and, and we're good at videos, <laughs> we would make this a celebrity death match, like on a, you know, used to come on a MTV. MTV. Yeah. That would just be peak television, because I would yeah. love to see a celebrity death match episode between... Bryson DeChambeau yep. and Roger Goodell, but this is my pick, and uh, I am going to look at the bracket and make my decision based on that. Mm. Look at the next round and see who would I who I would like to see go up against uh, Bryson DeChambeau in the next round. So uh, I'm sorry, Patrick, Patrick Reed, Reed in the next round. Well, that gives it away. I pick Bryson. Wow, what a great matchup, man! They're in the same sport. They, there's there's an opportunity there for them to hate one another. This is great. This couldn't have worked out better. Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, and both of them just have a very punchable face. All right. Uh, now we got another NFL player, Jalen Ramsey, versus uh, baseball players. The the next tool of baseball in Josh Donaldson, the third baseman uh, for the Yankees. Oh, which, he's the well, Yankees now. Which is funny because I saw an article by him today where they're essentially paying him to stay away. He's healthy. He's come back from his rehab assignment, but the Yankees aren't playing him. And rightfully so. Well, you know what that makes me think is that Josh Donaldson is the smartest man in the world. Yeah. The best job in the world is a fired SEC football coach. Or a backup quarterback. Or, no. What are you going to do? You're telling me a backup quarterback is a better job than a hundred million dollar no, third true. baseman that is staying away from that is not playing at all. That's fair because you give him the Coach O treatment, right? Those of you that saw the Coach O video when they yeah. came, they approached him, he said, "Look, man, we're going to pay you seventeen million dollars to stay at the house." And Coach O's exact words were, "All right, brother, tell me when you want me going and what door you want me out." That's it. That's it. It's the best job in the world. Yeah, but just strictly, if you put up two pictures, Jalen Ramsey is that kid on the playground. They just annoys everybody. He's running around talking about how great he is when he's actually not. Sidebar, Jalen Ramsey is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But if we're going strictly based off pictures, I picture Josh Donaldson with his collar popped, his hat on backwards, much like mine, four chains, probably an earring in there, and just needs a right cross right yeah. in the face. How many chains are you wearing right now? Uh, currently none. None? Zero. Okay, easy. This is PG. <laughs> so, we're going zero. So who, we're going who, Josh Donaldson. Josh Bringer Donaldson. of Rain on Twitter deserves to be punched in the face. All right. Well, it's your choice. Uh, I tend to agree with you because I don't feel like there's any sport that has more people more punchable than baseball. Mm. So, Accurate. All right. Well, this is going to be my favorite one because do you know what we've got here? We've got Love City, mm-hmm. former teammates, and – the most hated opponent for the Memphis Grizzlies 
from years 2011 to 2016 or 17. One of our players actually kicked him in the face. Yes. So, (laughs) we have Chris Paul, point guard, formerly of the Los Angeles Clippers, currently of the Phoenix Suns, versus Blake Griffin, who very well may get a... NBA title ring, ring this while year. Zero minutes in while the playing zero minutes in the playoffs. Tristan Thompson has more minutes than Blake Griffin currently in so, these playoffs. Chris Paul versus Blake Griffin. So, I'll unpack this for a minute. They both are terrible people. Mm. They both embellish everything. They both have had incredible careers. One more than the other, more, more longer than the longer other. Longer than the other. You know, Chris Paul is an all-time great at point guard. To be fair, Blake Griffin jumped over a Kia one time and yeah. dunked and, and yeah, that's true. And he has some of the most incredible highlight poster dunks of all time. But we're talking about faces. So if we were to make this about basketball, which person, based on their face? Would I rather dunk on the most? It's easy. It's so easy. It's Blake Griffin. <laughs> the red, the ambiguousness of his face is just great. And not to mention, if I dunk on Blake Griffin, he may get on stage and write a stand-up joke about it. Oh. And that's just another way for me to live on forever. Yep. So it's Blake Griffin for me. I could, not going to argue. Chris Paul is probably the number one athlete I despise the most out of my entire life. But as far as looking at a face, Blake Griffin yeah, needs well, to be punched in the let face. Let me lay this out for you. Today, would it not be the funniest thing of all time for Blake Griffin to be the first one to get a ring From out of team. that bunch? Mm-hmm. Because... The Lob City Clippers were the worst. Mm-hmm. And Chris Paul was their leader. He was so great. He is the point god. That's what that's what he's referred to as. And to his credit, he is incredible in his prime as a point guard. However, his biggest flaw is that when it matters most, he comes up so short. And for Blake Griffin to be on the end of the bench, not contributing yeah. whatsoever yeah. to the Boston Celtics, while Chris Paul went out in the second round with another postseason injury, yep. would be hilarious. Uh, yeah, couldn't agree more. Chris Paul is one of the front runners, one of the, the pioneers, if you will, of today's NBA because he really refined the flopping technique. He was one of the first ones that really took advantage of the flop and allowed the referees to make these call these egregious foul calls where he has just harmed so much in these fouls. And LeBron took it and run with it. James Harden took it and run with it. But there, he's like, he's kind of that pioneer that set that going forward. And so it couldn't happen to a nicer guy that he gets bounced early and sent home to watch from the house. Like, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Yeah, I agree with you. And... It, the story is so consistent with him. Yeah. You know, he, he's just not ever going to win the nope. big game. And that's fine. I am totally fine with that. You know, no offense to my buddy Bowen. He's a big Suns fan, but 
Uh, he's well aware as long as Chris Paul is on that team, I hope they lose every single game. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm with you here. So you've got the next, next pick here. So we're moving into round two. We have finished our, our first round um, of our punchable face excuse me, contest. And so we're coming up with uh, our first matchup of the second round. That would be who, Drew? You have got to pick between Austin Reeves mm-hmm. and Bryce Harper. Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah, it is. T- it, oh, is man. Tough. I mean, both guys, you know, Bryce is just so extra with all his flowy hair and his beard and his headband and his chains. Recency Austin. bias would answer this for me, though. Because yeah. the Grizzlies just lost a series to the Lakers. In to the most. And, and also, and Bryce Harper at least has played some playoff baseball. He's played some good baseball, hit the ball really well. It's Austin Reeves for me. It really is. As much as I would want to punch Bryce Harper, like Austin Reeves, because he's done nothing, but he's so entitled because he plays with LeBron. I'm bringing in some other factors besides just punchable faces, but dude just needs to be punched in the face regardless of what else he's done. He needs to be punched in the face. Okay. Well, then the Final Four matchup will be between Austin Reeves and the winner – of uh, Josh Donaldson won, what did you call him, Make It Rain? Oh, uh, his Twitter handle is Maker of Rain Maker 21. of Rain 21 mm-hmm. versus the stand-up comedian himself, <laughs> Mr. Blake Griffin. <laughs> Mr. Blake Griffin. And, uh, again, all of these things and all of our podcasts, and I have a hard time as a, post, as a host of this podcast to keep my internal biases mm. from coming through, but that's who I am. Sportsbooks sure. made me who I am. It influences every decision and every thought that I have outside of my family is my sports love. Mm. And so it's I can't pick anyone over Blake Griffin in this. <laughs> I don't have any personal mm-hmm. beef with uh, Josh Donaldson. And so I have to go Blake Griffin. That's fair. What are you a Cardinal for a little while too? No, he was a Brave. I think Brave. he actually That's won a World Brave. Series with the Braves. He did. And he did. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, so I'll pick Blake Griffin over Josh Donaldson. And that leaves you with picking between the two villains of the NBA, one who's got four rings and one that's going to have a new team, Draymond Green versus Sir (laughs) Sir Dylan Brooks of the Shanghai Sharks. Um, Once agreed, for the most part, once a Grizz, always a Grizz. That's true. I'm Except not, for Chandler Parsons. Chandler Parsons and Rudy Gay Justin are the Winslow. two. Yeah. And Justice isn't that bad. Rudy Gay is like went on record talking bad about Memphis after he left, so I can't stand Rudy Gay. That's a that's a whole that's a topic for a whole other podcast. But I'm going Draymond. Mouth breather, hate the guys, antics on and off the court. Who stomps his foot to jump over somebody and stomp on their chest. Who throws a leg out kicking people in the nards when they're shooting a jump shot other than Draymond Green? If given the chance, he's on the short list of people that I would punch in the face. And this is a matchup between two different NBA players who have been suspended multiple times from NBA playoff games for kicking people in the nards. That's it. (laughs) Or (laughs) antics or slapping people on the head or or whatever. And so... Yeah, uh, there's no love loss for either of these people. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to really – nobody outside of their own team loves these no. players. And I could root for, for Dylan Brooks for a while until the Donovan Mitchell incident. When he hit, when he hit yeah. Spada, that kind of really was like, all right, man. Because like, that was the first time he really egregiously hit somebody in the nards like Draymond has been known to do. 
And at that point, Dylan lost me. Yeah, the Gary Payton was pretty egregious in the playoffs last it, year, and it cost you a game. But at least but, it looked like a basketball play. When he rolled over, he specifically looked yeah. targeted, locked in, and then backhanded Donovan Mitchell and the family jewels. And so at that point, he lost me. Yeah, so uh, Draymond Green in, in the Final Four matchup will go against the winner of Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau, the <laughs> villains of golf. Yeah. Um, two live guys, two guys who have made multiple enemies. Mm. Uh, well, actually – have probably kept just one or two friends. Mm. The rest of them are enemies. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but we're just thinking about faces here. <laughs> and if you just look at the Masters tournament winner headshots between the two, uh, Patrick Reed is just, yeah. he's got the superior punchable face. He looks, and no offense, because I've got some friends that are these guys, but like he belongs on like a State Farm or a Farm Bureau billboard. And that's never a great picture. And his is very douchey. Of those, so. Well, I didn't mean to take uh, take shots at my insurance company, uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Williams. So. If you listen, uh, it oh, has nothing to do with no, with Farm Bureau. So, Ben Farrell, if you decide to join <laughs> in, it has nothing to do with shelter. Nope. It's just Rusty's personal biases against billboards. Apparently, we're talking people like out of state, not around yeah. here. So, uh, uh, that leaves us a final four matchup between Austin Reeves and Blake Griffin. Is my pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't let recency bias get in the way. I'm going to go Blake Griffin for he's a Hall of Fame punchable face. Sure. And then uh, you will get to pick the other half of the championship round between uh, Draymond Green and Patrick Reed. Again, I can't say Draymond Green is on that short list of people I'd punch in the face. So I'm going to ride the hot hand and we're going Draymond Green. We're going to have an NBA, all NBA final matchup. Uh, Going Draymond Green, the mouth breather himself. Yeah. So we have to come to a conclusion here together between Gr- Draymond Green and Blake Griffin. And we hate both of them equally. No. Um, I don't hate both of them equally because I have not considered Blake Griffin a relevant That's fair. basketball player for like five years now. I think we're on the same page yeah. with this one. Then. And I have as recently as like two weeks ago watched Draymond <laughs> Green piss me off to yep. no end yep. by barking at refs and, yep. and wallering on the ground and, and doing nothing but antagonizing officials with the hopes of getting calls made. And stomping on uh, Sabonis' chest about a month ago. So the winner of the 2023 Two Bucks Sports Podcast Most Punchable Faces in Professional Sports is none other than Draymond Green. And Rusty, I'll tell you right now, if we were to just say, who's got the most punchable face, we would have both said Draymond Green would have saved this podcast about 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but if you're still here, thanks for listening. Uh, I did come up with a couple honorable mentions, um, one of them being Aaron, a.k.a. Karen Boone, the manager of the New York Yankees. Uh, recently read an article yesterday on Twitter about how Jared Carabas of Barstool Sports fame uh, called him Karen Boone in a tweet and it apparently stuck in the umpire circles. And so all professional umpires in their meetings and side conversations refer to Aaron Boone as Karen Boone, which I find hysterical. That's fantastic. Well, it's like uh, Russell Westbrook. You know, if you can find a good name that (laughs) will catch on, a good nickname that is unflattering, it just makes everything better. And Number two, uh, the original Doughboy himself from his NFL draft pick, just reminding you that you're not ugly, you're just poor. 
uh, in the progression <laughs> of his face, and Tom Brady uh, is one of the ultimate punchable faces in professional sports. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, no, I would say Peyton Manning's face is more punchable than Tom yeah, Brady. Maybe. maybe. You know, just you know, I just feel like when it comes to punchable, uh, I've got not very good aim, and Peyton's face covers more square footage he is, than, than Tom Brady. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, I would probably go Peyton over Tom Brady on that one, although I like Peyton, like, infinitely more. Yeah, same. And then my last honorable mention that I came up with is kind of similar. Like, I think about people that I would punch in the face, and Giancarlo Stanton for the New York Yankees has a punchable face. I don't know that I would punch him in the face because dude looks like he could scrap. And so I don't know that I would but he has a punchable face, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, sure, I can see that. I'd say Aaron Judge's face is probably a little bit more punchable because he's got the baby face for a six foot ten yeah. guy that plays outfield. What's that guy, Benatini from uh, uh, Andrew Benatini? Andrew Benatini from with Arkansas. The, with the flow from Arkansas, plays for the Toronto Blue Jays. Some people calling him and Bo Bichette the most beautiful people in baseball. Yeah, I'd probably punch both of them in the face. Yeah. <laughs> so, and outside of that, I would say uh, David Ross. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, uh, here. Uh, maybe uh, Dan Mullen's got a pretty punchable well, these are face. Just bias is what that is. Yeah, oh, you can't tell me Dan Mullen's face isn't punchable. Hey, same with Lane Kiffin. I I didn't stop you from putting <laughs> him on the list. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so that's our punchable face list right now, Rusty. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this at you because I just pulled it up. So we are currently looking at Game Six of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, since we last spoke, I believe since we last spoke. The Denver Nuggets swept the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm -hmm. And so they are going to be waiting for like nine days Mm. on the winner of the uh, Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. The Celtics got down to an 0-3 start against the 8-seed Miami Heat. And they've called their way back to a 3-2 series lead, and they're currently playing right now. And the uh, Boston Celtics are winning again here in Game 6, which is in Miami. Mm-hmm. So if a lot of people have said, you know, this is the best situation, the best scenario for something to happen that's never happened before. Mm-hmm. And what has never happened before in the NBA is a team come down from 3 to nothing mm-hmm. in the series to win the series. Um, typically what you find in this situation is that the team that's down 3-0 is, is sucks yep. versus a really good team. However, this is flipped, which makes it more intriguing because Miami, while better than the eight seed that they got, uh, is playing against the number two seed, Boston Celtics, mm-hmm. uh, with a new coach. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think happens? So right now it's virtually even. I don't have the score pulled up, but I think it was about a two- or three-point game in the second quarter with Boston having a slight lead in Miami. If – Boston wins this game. Is it over? It could be because it's got to go back to Boston. Boston obviously has all the momentum. You know, we were in my self included. You check my Twitter feed. You check my text messages. I was I was fall I fell into the Jimmy Butler hype. He was Hemi Butler for three four games of this series. Rightfully so. For three games, he was the best player on the court. And for the you last know, two, he has not shown he's up. He's not shown up. You know, Grant Williams poked a bear. He turned to Joe Mazzula in ultimate Jimmy Butler fashion and said, you thought this would work? And then the Heat just casually went on a 29-6 to run to close out that game and win it. And so everybody was on the Jimmy Butler hype. You know, they asked him after the game, I guess they haven't found the answer for the Jimmy Butler question. And he said, no, they have not. 
I would beg to differ. I think Boston found the answer for a couple of games, and it depends on whether or not he can come back and win, which for a sidebar, um, you know, it, it, Jimmy Butler, everybody knows it's Jimmy Butler on that Miami Heat team and then a bunch of role players who really don't contribute a ton outside of that. It's mostly just Jimmy Butler. Um, but it would be hysterical for Jimmy Butler to find a way to win um, because Joe Mazzula was a basketball player for the West Virginia Mountaineers back when they were in the Big East. <clears throat> he came back for his senior year to play one more year, and in the semifinals of the Big East tournament was eliminated by Marquette, led by... None other than Jimmy Butler. Oh, Jimmy I was Butler thinking Dwayne Wade. As so. a freshman, sophomore, fresh a sophomore, eliminated the senior Joe Mazzula when he was at West Virginia in the Big East tournament. I think it's more simple than that. If you look at what Joe Mazzula has done for this team since taking over for Ime Udoka, who was let go uh, just days really before the season started. They have went full new school basketball and done a lot of shooting of the three-point shot. And it is, as, it is as simple as this when it comes to Boston. If they make 40% of threes, they win virtually every single game. If they make 39.9% of their threes or less, they are losing – overall this series, they are two games below 500. Last game, they shot 40% exactly against the Miami Heat, and they won. So, it's really that simple. So, I will look up, see what they are doing so far in this game. But, it doesn't help matters any that Jimmy Butler has not quite shown up. Mm -hmm. However, if you look at the Heat and you look at Jimmy Butler, they decide when they're going to play. They decide that the regular season doesn't matter. Just get me to the playoffs, and then we'll perform. Mm-hmm. They very well, with a 3-0 lead and winning two games at Boston and one game at home, they lost game four at home. They very well could have just mailed in game five and mm-hmm. said, let's win it at home in game six. You saw that happen with the Lakers in round one against the Grizzlies where they mailed in game five and beat us by 40 in game six. Yep. You saw it with the Lakers and the Warriors. You've seen it time and time again where if you've got a 3-1 lead, that game on the road is not as important and it's not as winnable as the game six at home. Yeah. Which makes me say, in the original question I asked, if the Heat don't win tonight – all of the pressure is on Miami. Absolutely. And, and all of the playing at home where they are comfortable, where they've won a ton of games. They usually defend home court really well. If this goes game seven, I mean, I'd put – I'd bet the farm on Boston, 100%. Uh, I think – I think that the Heat's best chance of moving on to the finals, mm. obviously, is at home. Yeah. It's tonight. And if you go to Boston, like you said, I think you go to Boston. Uh, game five, Boston ended up as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite at tip-off, mm. and they covered. Yeah. I, yeah, I think so, it happens again. What's their, what's their per shooting percentage tonight? So right now, the Boston Celtics are leading the Miami Heat 42-38, to 38, and uh, the Boston Celtics are shooting – 
three for ten from three for thirty percent. So right now, if the trend holds true, Miami's going to find a way to win. Right. However, Mm -hmm. what it tells me when they're leading by three points now, with only shooting thirty percent from three, is that it could very well even out. Mm. When you take as many threes as Boston, you typically end up around. I mean, that's what averages are. Averages, single game averages, don't really count. But if you shoot, you know, if you only picking. 10 threes, you know, there's a lot of variance goes mm-hmm. on. If you're shooting 30, 35 threes like Boston shoots, it could even out. So I would look for, and what I would defend against if I'm Miami, is for them to really start making some threes here yeah. in the second half because they're not a 30% mm-hmm. shooting team from three mm-hmm. historically on the season. Yeah. Yeah. So right now it's a back up to a five point lead. And conversely, <laughs> Right now, Miami is shooting 58.3% from three on seven of 12 from three. That is not sustainable. No. So, uh, despite Miami shooting almost 60% from three, they are losing by seven points at this. That is dangerous, yep. dangerous territory for the Heat. Yep. Yeah, they got to find a way to control balls and slow them down, get some stops. <clears throat> That's what's going to boil down to at this point. If you are going to shoot at that kind of, of a rate – if you can get some stops, then this is going to be a much more winnable game. But I'm telling you, if you go back to Boston, it, it's a wrap, man. There's no way, no way Miami wins in Boston. And I just want to take a minute right now just to remind everybody that's joined us on Instagram. I see our buddy Aaron Ivey's joined. Uh, Taylor Flaherty's joined. Uh, if you have any questions, shoot them our way. We will stop our conversation right where we're at to answer your questions. Absolutely. So come on in. All us. about the fans tonight. Um, But, yeah, speaking of, we kind of briefly touched on it a minute ago. Um, I, for one, was overjoyed to see the Nuggets sweep the Lakers, send LeBron home, who then ultimately, and I know we'll get into this here in a minute, but, like, ultimately made it all about himself after the game, talking about, I might retire. I don't know if I'm going to come back. I got to go and and think about it. It's all like, give me a break, man. You're just a media attention whore. But we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, Language. (laughs) Jeez. That's not the worst word. He said the W word. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, And yet the, the, the national media is still finding a way to make it about the Lakers, which is just wild to me. But kudos I'm to going. Mike Malone and the Nuggets for getting a 4-0 victory over the indomitable Lakers per in, the media. Indomitable, is There's that a word? Big word? It is. means unable to overcome. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I will say, counter that by saying LeBron's a genius. I mean, it's not his fault per se that ESPN just rides him at all times. And so he just got swept for what I think is the first time in his career in the playoffs. And he threw out the word retirement because he just got swept for the first time. Why would you not? So ES you could have Stephen A. Smith at ten AM on first take saying LeBron and his almighty excellence, arguably the best player of all time, just got swept. Or you can have Stephen A. Smith at 10 a.m. on first take saying, do you really think LeBron might retire after no, this series it. loss? I'm not arguing the logic behind it. It just further proves like he's just all about himself. He well, doesn't care about anything else other than LeBron doing the little King Me celebrations. I, it is not a uh, unknown fact that I am not a LeBron fan. 
And this just further drives that narrative. It's all about LeBron. It's not about anything else. Like, take your medicine, man. You got beat. It's like, to me, that's the kid that you're playing with that you beat. And he's like, well, I'm just going to take my toys and go home. I'm not playing anymore. It's exactly what that sounds like to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's like two or three playoff series in a row when he gets eliminated from the playoffs. The story comes out saying that he probably needs surgery. Yeah, exactly. You know? what I'm saying, man. He is the <laughs> like, ultimate. You can bank on LeBron needing, Absolutely. having an injury if he gets beat in the playoffs. Well, I mean, the guy and, gets his cheek brushed by Jokic, and he goes flying 18 feet into the crowd. So you can't expect anything else. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I know his antics. I hate his antics. But in this series, he was incredible. I'm not. He is. He is. I'm not talking easily, about the play on the court. I'm talking about the antics I agree, and like but the I want drama to talk about, that is LeBron. I want to. I agree with you 100. percent mm-hmm. I want to talk about the player on the court for a second. That game because oh, at 38 God. years old in an elimination game to do 40 and 10 <laughs> yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Now where he is not the player that he once was was 31 of those 40 points was in the first half. <laughs> He couldn't close it out. He could. He can't close it out. Mm-hmm. Which then you could wonder: Is that supporting cast? Is that? But I think that the the Lakers put together a team the sec after the trade deadline that was better for LeBron than the team that LeBron put together himself yep. to start the season. Yep. Because if you remember, they had the opportunity to go get Buddy Hield mm-hmm. and Miles um, Turner in that trade. Instead, LeBron asked for Russell Westbrook, and you saw how that worked out. Yeah. So I hope that um, – And kudos because they, they found a gem in Rui Hashimura. They found some some guys that yeah, could play. Yeah. They, they picked up D'Angelo Russell after after dealing, and he, you could build a whole new well, arena for the Lakers with the bricks that he laid Oh, and you, you saw as that series went on, and, and playoffs are weird because every series determines your personnel mm-hmm. more than the personnel determines Fair. if they play or not. Fair. The role players are determined by the matchup, and you saw that uh, the players that were great in the Warrior series, mm-hmm. like uh, Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. were not playable in the. Yeah, absolutely. And I think mm-hmm. what we need to focus on going forward is the Denver Nuggets, because mm-hmm. I don't believe through in the eighteen the seven other teams that went to the Western Conference, including the Grizzlies as the two seed, Sac Golden State, all the way down. None of the teams would have beaten that Denver team. You no. can, you can, we can no. gripe as Grizzlies fans that we think we should have beat the Lakers if this would happen, or Golden State should have been the, beating the Lakers if this would happen, or Sack got a bad whistle against Golden State. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter once you got to the conference finals because that Denver team was not losing to anybody. There was not a single other team that's in the realm of them. And Drew, what's impressive about them is they are like what the Sixers were trying to preach about the process. Right, they didn't panic and go spend a bunch of draft capital, capital, and picks and players to go trade for a big-time superstar to join that team. They pick Jokic during a Taco Bell commercial in the second round, the 41st pick, which is incredible. Future two-time back-to-back uh, NBA NBA MVP was picked during a Taco Bell commercial. They didn't even show his picture until they came back from commercial break. Um, adding in Jamal Murray, adding in these pieces around him, Uncle Jeff Green, former Memphis Grizzly, um, these pieces, Aaron Gordon, who's finding a career resurgency in Denver after being in Orlando and only being really famous for his uh, uh, slam dunk contest performance. It's impressive to see what that team has done. And Mike Malone nailed it, right? Like, you know, you want to talk about the Lakers, but I don't know if you've watched Nikola Jokic play, 
but the guy's a walking triple-double. He steps up in the biggest moments. You know he's going to get his when the game's on the line. And they're exactly like the Sixers were all about preaching, trust the process, trust the process, trust the process, right? Denver did, and look where they are. There's not, I don't think of the 16 teams that made the NBA playoffs that there's a team that could beat Denver across the seven-game series. No, Denver was far and away the number one seed all mm-hmm. year. In a playoffs in which I'm, I mentioned on this podcast last week, you had two teams mm-hmm. that tried mm-hmm. in the regular season. You had two teams that mailed it in, mm-hmm. uh, basically saving their legs for the postseason. Mm-hmm. And I was rooting for both teams that played in the regular season. Yep. One of those teams was Denver. Yep. They were far and away the number one seed, the best record all year long. Yep. Nikola Jokic yep. in the postseason averaged 29.9 points per game. Uh, he had 13.3 rebounds per game and 10.3 assists per game, shooting 47% from three and 54% from the field. He was the best player in the world Man. all series long. Yeah. The Lakers didn't stand a chance, and I'm going to go say it now. Whoever comes out of the East, I'm not going to say they don't stand a chance because Boston especially – Mm-hmm. has more players in their starting lineup that can yeah. really hurt you. Yeah. But postseason Murray and Nikola Jokic, just as he comes, mm-hmm. are absolutely incredible. Because, like, they even took Anthony Davis's best shot. Anthony Davis had 41 in game one, and they still couldn't win because Jokic was that good. Jamal Murray was that good. Denver's defense was that good that they took because it's been a trend here, right? AD has a great game and the Lakers win. He has a bad game and they lose. And they were riding AD. And so AD came in and had the kind of game as a Lakers fan that you want him to have in order to win a basketball game. And they still couldn't do it because Jokic was that good. He had a triple-double that night and just dominated on both ends of the floor. Denver's playing great defense. And when it comes to the NBA playoffs, the team who can – make stops is the one that's going to win, and that's been Denver. Denver's found a way to play great defense because they'll get down. They get down double digits, and then within three or four minutes, you'd look up, and it was a one- or two-point ball game. Yeah, so in that game four, the clinching game four, Jamal Murray had 25 points. Uh, Anthony Davis, to your point, had 21 and 14, but that wasn't enough. Denver lost by two. Uh, he was minus six that night. I mean, that, I mean, that's it. They took his best offensive game, but he could not stop Jokic for nothing. There was yeah. nothing he could do. The only people on the Lakers team that were in the positive on plus minus in the single game, Rui Hachimura was a plus one in 42 minutes, and uh, D'Angelo Russell was a plus six in 16 <laughs> minutes. LeBron James in that game, I don't know if you saw – Played 47 minutes and 56 seconds in that game as yeah. a 38-year-old veteran. Took a four-second rest. Again, not knocking the performance on the court. Shout-out LeBron James. I mean, to be that old, like I'm 36 and my knees hurt sometimes when I walk too much at work. I can't right. imagine what he was going through at 38 the next day. Right, yeah. Um, and, you know, he came out and not blamed the injury, I don't think, but definitely had to let everybody know that he was hurting. Sure. And at 38 years old, I kind of am like, yeah, I'm sure you were, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, because at 31 years old, I just told you I couldn't hold down Rod- <laughs> Rodrigo Blankenship. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so, that's what we look at right now, right? Uh, so, I don't have the score in front of me right now. Currently, just to recap everybody, we are uh, 
in the middle of game six of the Eastern Conference Finals in which Miami's up 3-2. And Boston has a 10-point lead with three and a half minutes to go in the second. So uh, A lot of basketball left, but it's trending towards a game seven, and in that I do not like Miami's chances. Right. So uh, that's our basketball talk for today. We are in the middle of the SEC baseball tournament. Uh, are we? We, I mean, I haven't watched any of it. So, do you want to talk about it? You I mean, to... basically, we're down to our final four teams, and they're they're three teams that we thought would be there, and then one team not not so much. Tonight, uh, Drew and I were having a, a pre-show hangout session, and we're watching a bit of the uh, Florida Vanderbilt game, and it felt like there for a little bit it was going to be the first one to thirty runs won. Uh, Vandy jumped out to an early like 10 to 2 lead. Florida came roaring back with some monster home runs. I mean, absolutely barreling up the baseball. Was hitting the ball really well, but we all know what, why Vandy does well this time of the year is because of their pitching depth. And so they changed pitchers, and I imagine that got curtailed or at least slowed down. So you had uh, Florida and Vanderbilt in the early matchup. Then you had Arkansas, who is perennially there in the final four teams in the SEC tournament when it comes to Hoover. You had uh, LSU and A&M in the early matchup today. Yeah, and A&M eliminated them, but they played tonight, I think. against. They have to play tonight against Arkansas after this game, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it's tomorrow. Um, They'll probably have it wrapped up by tomorrow. But A&M eliminated LSU and has to face the Arkansas Razorbacks in the other semifinal matchup uh, in order to determine who will play for the SEC championship Again, three of those teams you probably figure are going to be there. Florida, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. A&M made a late run as the season progressed. Excuse me. And got hot at the right time, played some better baseball, and worked their way into a semifinal matchup against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, so uh, right now Texas A&M is playing – I'm sorry, Texas A&M beat Arkansas 5-4. Arkansas uh, was eliminated, correct? Oh, I guess they were, so they played uh, earlier today. And then, uh, so looking, just flipping through these scores real quick. Uh, That's all we've got right now. So we know we've got Texas A&M and we've got Vanderbilt still left to play. We've got uh, championship games on Sunday. Sunday will be tomorrow. Um, So it's looking likely like it's going to be the Texas A&M fighting Aggies. They found a way to come out and. Uh, come out of their side of the bracket, and they're going to play the winner of Vanderbilt and Florida, who was playing a little bit earlier. That game should be wrapping up. Yes, uh, soon. Florida did hang on to win against Vanderbilt. Florida came back and won. No, I'm sorry, I'm Vanderbilt. sorry, Vanderbilt uh, held on to win. So we got the bracket pulled up here. It looks like, yep, yeah, as of right now, Florida has been eliminated, 11 to six. A&M eliminated Arkansas, five to four. Your mm-hmm. SEC championship game is set for tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central against uh, Texas A&M playing the Vanderbilt Commodores for the SEC Championship. Again, one of those teams you figure will be there. Vandy's always in those final two or three teams um, in the SEC tournament. A&M not so much. They were an Omaha team last year, but they kind of limped through the middle of the year this year. Found a way to get there. And I tell you what, I feel really bad for all the teams that have lost and gotten kicked out of this SEC tournament because I just do not remember what it feels like to enter a tournament in which you didn't win at all, Uh you know, Uh because just uh, one year ago or 11 months ago yesterday, Ole Miss won the national championship, the College World Series, and um, that was the greatest day of my life. 
<laughs> and so we chose not to participate in the SC tournament this year. So we knew we couldn't win it, and we got the taste of winning a tournament. So you only won six games just to make sure. Yeah, I mean, right. if you can't win it all, don't play. You know, <laughs> if I can't beat you, I'm not going to show up. And so uh, props to Ole Miss uh, for staying champions mm. for another month. <laughs> and uh, it reminds me of – Andrew Bernard in the uh, in the office where he says Andrew Bernard does not lose games. He if he feels like he's losing them and he qu- then he quits because they are not fair. <laughs> I either win or I or I quit because it's not fair. So uh, some news in college baseball though outside of actual playing baseball is Georgia fired uh, uh, Strickland. Yeah, Strickland, there. which is. Surprising, not surprising. It's they not surprising. They don't care about baseball, but they haven't had a great program, which is just wild to me. Like, if you're out there and you're a college baseball coach and you're listening to this podcast, apply for the Georgia job. It's a school that doesn't care about baseball. Um, and you could well, literally – really, That's a really a heck of a pitch there by you. But you could literally trip over a prospect if you leave Athens. Like, they have some of the greatest baseball players come out of Georgia. They just go elsewhere. So go to Georgia where they don't care about baseball – Recruit some of those guys to come in. If you make a regional, if you host a regional, they'll build a statue of you out there. They don't care. And baseball's not a priority and like it is in the state of Mississippi where the results of the last two years for state, this year for Ole Miss, are absolutely unacceptable. So what you're saying is that uh, the potential is there to do great, but if you're just fine, you will – be like Strickland in last 10 years. And coach forever. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like you talk about a cake And job. only have three winning seasons in the SEC. It's a, it's a cush job. Um, we didn't talk about this a couple weeks ago, but uh, Bo Hannon in Alabama got fired um, uh, because he got caught betting on, on – Well, did you see the latest development in that? Uh-huh. So a University of Cincinnati baseball player was kicked off of the team yeah. in connection to that. Because so, – they were making the bets through the state of Ohio because nobody bets on college baseball whatsoever. And so they removed it from the states that it was involved in. They pitched it up to Ohio. And anytime somebody bets on college baseball, it's going to be examined because nobody bets on college baseball. It's kind of an unthought of sport, though we're trying to bring, you know, attention and, and people into the fold of liking college baseball through this podcast. It takes time. And so nobody really pays attention to it. So when multiple people start betting on games, it's going to be triggered for a review. And so Bohannon and this Cincinnati player got caught betting on the Alabama LSU series, among other SEC or uh, college baseball games. So according to Cincinnati.com, this is what it says. says, Multiple sources have confirmed the identity of the parent involved in the gambling that resulted in the firing of two University of Cincinnati baseball coaches, not players, last week. Sources confirmed to the Inquirer what was first reported by Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated that Bert Ner- Neff, Bert Neff, Bert Neff, yeah, what of Boardsville, Indiana, was in communication with Alabama baseball coach Brad Bohannon on April 28th prior to a Crimson Tide game with LSU. Bohannon was fired May 4th after an investigation revealed that he placed large wagers on Alabama to lose to LSU on April 28th through Neff who was using the Great American Ballpark Sportsbook, which is the the sportsbook within the stadium for the Cincinnati Reds. Which is also the same day that Alabama's best pitcher was a healthy scratch. Right. Well, you got to think. prior to first pitch. So, tell me. I'm going to read this for you again. You, you tell me what you think, because I think I understand what I heard. Mm-hmm. Sources confirmed to the Enquirer what was first reported to Pat Forty by Sports Illustrated that Burton F., 
was in communication with Alabama baseball coach Brad Bohannon on April 28th. Bohannon was fired after an investigation revealed that he placed a large wager on Alabama to lose to LSU on April 28th through Neff. So the Alabama baseball coach bet on Alabama to lose to LSU. And then because a pitcher was scratched. As a healthy scratch immediately prior to the game, Bohannon said, look, you're just not going to pitch today. We're going with somebody else. After he made this large bet through his buddy, Mr. Neff, in Cincinnati, which for those of you listening at home and if you don't know, that's illegal. You can't do that. And it's just absolutely immoral. For you as a baseball coach or a coach of any person to bet against the team that you coach – is just a you're just I don't know how to put it into words. You're just a terrible person. You're a terrible leader of a team. Yep. I cannot fathom how you could ever coach in a team sport yeah. ever again. Yeah. After doing that. I think you're done. I mean, I think it's 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 up there with some of the other coaching fiascos we've seen. I mean, Pete Rose has not been allowed around professional baseball in how many years now because he made bets you know, 30 years ago, like, I, I mean, Bohannon's career is done. Oh, yeah, he's done. In what has been an awful year to be an Alabama coach not named Nick Saban, uh, after all the And issues, even Nick Saban didn't make it to the college football playoff, no. which is about fireable if you ask Alabama fans. It is, but if you watch the pregame to the Georgia TCU game and David Pollock said on live air that Georgia is the new standard of college baseball, and if you happen to see Nick Saban's face football. after he made – Yeah, sorry. Football, after he made that comment, you know that Alabama's going to win the national championship next year. Um but it's not been a great year to be an Alabama coach. Nate Oates and the Brandon Miller incident, and now Brad Bohannon getting fired for betting on his team. Tough year to be a head man in Tuscaloosa. Betting against his team. Rusty, I know that's what you meant, yeah. but I just got to hit that home. Yeah. He bet against the team that he recruited, the team that he coached. This so thing started the in the fall. Mm-hmm. You coach these teams starting in the fall. And you recruit all these kids to come This for you. team is a top 25 team. This team will be a host mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament. And you bet against them. And I get it. LSU's great. And your starting pitcher was scratched because of an injury. But to bet against those, how could you ever walk into a locker room ever again? Look it up. That's what's wild about the story. He was a healthy scratch. He was not injured. He pulled him. It was a healthy game time decision to pull the starting pitcher. He changed the pitcher specifically after making this bet. Well, that just tells me he's a stupid gambler as 100%, 100%. well. Because why would you not pull your pitcher against a crap team like Mississippi State <laughs> and then bet against Mississippi <laughs> and then bet against your team? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you went from like plus 1, you know, plus 200 to plus 300. Yeah. I mean, those odds aren't even great to start no. with. But if you if you do this in the real world, this is called an insider trading. This is when somebody calls and says, look, they're fixing Our to do Our beloved a- Martha Stewart went to jail for this. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this is calling up somebody and saying, hey, and listen, I've got some intel on Enron. You might want to sell all the stock you've got while it's still high. Like, this is insider trading and in let me the tell sports you, world. If I were to run for president... All politicians would be barred from owning stock and <laughs> selling stock. I mean, this is the dirtiest, slimiest yes. political. I mean, this is a political just cesspool. Absolutely. I mean, of inst- I mean, you got to think. There's only a certain amount of 
the percentage of people who own publicly traded stock mm-hmm. are there's uh, millions of people. Mm-hmm. There is a fraction of a fraction percent of people who actually know somebody making yeah. decisions for those companies, yeah. and those are our politicians. And those are the, to get that inside information as a baseball coach to have that inside information and to bet yeah. according to your information is disgusting. Absolutely, and I, yeah. and it's politicians like a- politicians claim to be for the people, but yeah. they don't. The relationship that a coach has with his players is another level. It's just to well, it's, betray that that bond. It's very similar to a, a wife who is one of the head uh, chief politicians in a certain political party, and her husband is happens to be a day trader and makes millions on uh, microchips and other little 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 nuggets that she may or may not pass along. It's the same thing. He knows his players. He knows what they can do. He knows what they're facing. They've scouted. They've done their homework. They know what LSU is up all about. You know, you're facing a guy like Paul Skeens. You know, you're facing a guy who's pitching in the wrong league. He should be pitching in the American or the National League, which has been well documented by sports reporters. Like, you don't have to try. Like, you're you're going to lose that game. Why make it obvious by pulling the picture? Like that is like that is straight up putting a micro microscope, a spotlight right on your program. Hey, look at us, we're doing something wrong. And I was totally in favor of allowing sports betting. Mm-hmm. You know, I think as opposed to the lottery, there's not as many moral you know, you know, like a lot of people say that the lottery is is dirty because it's a tax on the poor because only poor people are playing and mm-hmm. and that's an argument that I can at least see value in as an empathetic person. Sure. Uh, sports betting, I, that's, you know, that takes a little bit of skill. That takes a lot of research. That's a lot of watching sports. It takes a lot of feel. And so I'm, I'm, I was totally in favor of allowing sports betting nationwide, and mm-hmm. I still am. And as Mississippi being the one of the few states that don't currently allow sports betting, it's kind of frustrating because sure. I feel like I have a feel on some of this stuff. And for them to just game the system like that as the one person who can dictate that outcome – Mm-hmm. For him to not only just betray that team that he mm-hmm. created, the team in which he went into the living rooms of the parents of all these players and said, Let, trust me with your kids mm-hmm. for four years or three years. Bet against his own and then kids. for them, him to hedge his bets and bet against those kids and those families is just about the most reprehensible thing that I've heard yeah. of in sports. You know, correct me if I'm wrong – Pete Rose did not bet against his team. No, he bet against other professional baseball games, but he, not any. He, he bet on in the same sport as a player manager for the Cincinnati Reds. This goes back to but Shoeless he, Joe Jackson in the nineteen. This is the alts. this is the yeah point. It's it's mm-hmm. almost point shaving. Yeah, this is right up there with Shoeless Joe Jackson. For those of you who don't know, look it up. It's a great Chicago White Sox scandal of the nineteen teens. Um, where they were betting against games that they were playing and shaving points to lose on purpose to satisfy those bets. They didn't bet against their team often, but they did it enough to where games got vacated, people got lifelong bans, and it's just been within the last 10, 15 years where Shoeless Joe Jackson is starting to get a reputation again of being a decent guy because and of what he did in the game of baseball. And he was the, he got wrapped up in that scandal. Sure. But because he was the most notable player, he was the right. best player, he played without shoes, mm-hmm. given the name. Yeah. Uh, but allegedly, he was wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. It was but the, the shoeless Joe could not read. Mm-hmm. And so he was 
following blindly yep. amongst. He Making, was one he was of the crowd. Money. He was giving money to support it. He didn't know what he was getting into. Right. But if you're keeping up, also in the NFL, we've got a similar scandal. The Detroit Lions have had about a half dozen players fined and or suspended, including Jamerson Williams, the Alabama receiver, Ohio State slash Alabama receiver, who have been suspended or fined a significant amount of money for betting on NFL games. Like these sports are, are like as sports betting is growing, they're cracking down more and more on the ability of these players, coaches, and, and team personnel to bet on these games. So what happened in the Detroit thing, uh, to expound on that a little bit, because I did do a lot of research, because one of the players kicked off of the Detroit Lions as a former Ole Miss Rebel, C.J. Moore. Mm. Uh, one of the twins, there was A.J. and C.J. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so what happened is A.J. Moore and one other player got suspended for a year and subsequently released. They were not of the ilk mm. as a player mm-hmm. uh, to justify them sticking around, sticking around sure. on the payroll for a year without playing. Sure. Uh, the other player was Jamison Williams. So what A.J. did and the other player did and what they were caught doing was they were betting on NFL, yes, but the reason how they caught them is that they were betting from within the confines of the Detroit Lions facilities. Mm. That is what got them. Mm. So, yes, you should not bet on NFL games, but what these betting sites are able to do is because you have to share your location with them to verify that you're within a state that allows sports betting, is that they can see that you are in that facility, and that is an NFL rule. Yep. And shout out Calvin Ridley, who got – or was it no? Yeah, Cal- it was Cal- yeah, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. He got suspended for a year from the Atlanta Falcons. Very similar situation. His IP address was traced to the Atlanta facilities. He was betting on games. He lost an entire year of his career because of betting on sports. Yeah. And so what that goes to tell me is all us common folks out here that watch sports, you know – be smart, but you're allowed. Yeah. If you are participating in the sport, don't bet don't do on it. it. It's yeah. it's just as simple as it. anything else. In my job as an electrical engineer for the power company, I have a device that allows me to shut the power off to every person. Should I do that? Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> no. Yeah. I have the credentials and the power to do things Mm-hmm. That I should never do. Yep. So it's the same have, with me and HIPAA. Like I can't release. I have access to thousands of patient records across our company, across 29 states. Should I be going looking at Joe Smith's chart in the state of Missouri? No. See, there are certain rules and guidelines that are illegal and or ethically wrong that you cannot do based on your company, nationals, guidelines, laws, whatever. Like. Be smart, guys. It goes back to the John Moran thing, too. Like, be smart. You're an opportunity to make millions of dollars. What is a $100 sports bet that might net you $5,000 really going to make a difference for? If you really want to bet as an NFL player, go from, go to your car. Drive to the Shell Station on the corner, the Circle K, whatever. Bet on the NBA. Bet on pro baseball. Get into hockey. I don't know. Bet on something else. But just be smart about how you are spending. Because, again, I'm pro sports betting. I hope it comes to South Carolina. Just be smart. I'm going to tell you, Rusty, you better hope that sports betting does not come to South Carolina because be you're as good as betting as you are at golf. And I've, play, I've played you in golf before. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I wanted to bring one brief, just quick hit to you. I thought it was very interesting, and we talked before. You are aware of this story. But for anybody who hasn't heard, Drew Jones, 
son of the legendary Atlanta Braves center fielder, one of the greatest defensive center fielders of all time, Andrew Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, his son was drafted in the top ten picks of the MLB draft. and uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Arizona Diamondbacks, yes. And what has taken off since COVID really is the resurgence of sports cards, baseball cards, basketball cards, and so on and so forth. And so what has taken off here recently uh, is the sports cards. And somebody bought some sports cards at a card shop, and in that was a one-of-one. So only one of these cards exists. Drew Jones, Arizona Diamondbacks rookie card. The owner of that shop looked at the person who bought the card and offered him two different scenarios. One... I'll give you $250,000 for this card right now. If you leave this shop, it's null and void. I'll give you $250,000 right now. Or, if he makes the Hall of Fame, I'll give you a million. Mm -hmm. So, as a guy who's in low A ball, you know how many players start in the minor leagues who may never make it. You know the percentage of folks who are great, like Andrew Jones, Mm -hmm. and have not made the Hall of Fame. Right. What side of that decision would you lean towards? Oh my gosh, I want the I want to be the guy with the card all day long. Like you're offering me two hundred fifty thousand. No, I'm saying, would you rather take two hundred fifty thousand now or uh, wait and see if you can if he makes the Hall of Fame for a million? I got a condo and student loan debt. You can make two hundred fifty k right. That's now. a no brainer <laughs> right now. The the per, the odds of you becoming a major Absolutely. league Hall of Famer yeah. is so small. Yeah. Versus the one hundred percent guarantee mm-hmm. that I can have two hundred fifty thousand yeah, dollars right absolutely. now. Absolutely, you know, it's a, a bird in the hand versus two in the bush. Absolutely. Except it's a bird in the hand versus and five listen, in the bush, and they're very fast if birds. If he makes the Hall of Fame, like kudos to you. Yeah, I missed out on a million dollars. Great job, Drew Jones. But I had two hundred fifty k back then, and either do two things with it: I pay off my debt to where then I can have money to run and play with, or I invest that and then it'll turn into vastly more than a million Well, if you just look at the time value of money, $250,000 today, when... Theoretically. If Andrew, if Drew Jones makes the MLB Hall of Fame in, in, in Cooperstown in 25 years, mm-hmm. uh, that $250,000 is a lot more than $250,000 in yeah. 2045. It's likely more than a yeah. million dollars, too. If you invest right. it right, you play your money correctly. So, Absolutely. yeah, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's and a no-brainer. I don't know what the guy chose, uh, just to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, it's a, it's a no-brainer. I mean, I it's one thing if he offered you seventy-five grand. Right. $250,000 gives me a blank slate, Listen. pays off my house, all mm-hmm. my student loans. Yeah, same. I mean, I'm st- I'm None. at I'm at zero. I mean, I am at right. net zero, hundred percent. So I agree, two hundred percent, man. You take that money now. Um, I've got two final topics. I got out of the Instagram live because I want to remind myself because I sent them to us on the Instagram that I want to get your opinion on. Two things: one sports related, one not. One sports related. We all saw Michael Block, Blocky, as he's become, you know, affectionately known as. Um, had a big run at the PGA Championship a couple right, weeks ago right. up in Rochester, New York. He was everybody's sweetheart, right? He, he, he played into the final four pairings on Sunday playing with Rory McIlroy. Just, he's not a regular guy because he is a PGA professional. He has played in the PGA Championship for five years, but this is his first year to make the cut. Not only to make the cut, but then he finishes in the top 15 people, which automatically gets him an invite back for next year when they're at right. Valhalla in Kentucky. 
He won $234,000, which is the equivalent of right at 2,000 lessons at his going right. rate back home in California. To $150 an hour. $150 an hour. Not to mention how much money Nike play, paid him to wear Nike. Taylor May paid him for that hat. Whoever's on his bag, I think it was a Taylor May bag that they paid for that. All that stuff's getting paid for. Right. Now he's got all these endorsement deals that he can play in. He played this weekend and had a an ultimate comeback to earth moment. Where oh he my goodness! Dead last in the tournament. Uh, he was he was eleven over par after one round. Four shots worse than yeah. the next worst person. Dead yeah. last. Um, and you know you expect it, right? Like that kind yeah. of thing happens. Like you, if, you know it's going to come. If back. Disney was filming the movie, they know where to end it. They know where to end it. And uh, we talked about this a little bit off air, but he started his college career with your Mississippi State Bulldogs on the golf team, who was in contention for the golf national championship until this morning where the wheels on the bus came off and we're currently not in contention but he kirk, finished kirk feel free to ask us a question i see where you joined in he uh he finished his career back in his, his home state of missouri but just want to get your thoughts on it. it's a cool story it's fun to watch him dunk that hole in one from 151 out and have roy mcelroy hug him like i got misty eye when he's talking about his son yeah like, it was such a cool story to watch last weekend yeah i'm I think it was a great story for last weekend, and this weekend, I hope in the future when we think about Michael Block that he that it, we don't remember what he's looked like at the Valspar this right. weekend. Um, <laughs> he like but, me or you out there. I mean, it just goes to show you, professional golfers can be just like us every once in a while, yeah. but the difference in the greatest of the great and the club pros that are really good is that they do it every single week. Every week, you know, uh, yeah. they don't have, you know, Rory never has an 11 over a day, yeah. you know, uh, it's a great story. Uh, it's like he said last weekend, this, he said it after the PGA, uh, this is as good as it gets. And he, yeah. he was right. He was right. You know, this wasn't the start of something. You know, he's going to play in the Canadian championship next month in June. We'll see what happens, but I think he peaked. At Oak Hill up in Rochester. Absolutely, and there is no shame in that no. at all. No, he's still playing and a better round of golf than I will ever play. After, after his his Thursday showing at uh, the Valspar Classic at 11 over, he just humbly went to the microphone and said, uh, if there's one good thing that come out of this, is that I know I'm not making the cut and I can go home and see my see, kids. See my kids, absolutely. So. You know, And I'm sitting here in a living room in Ripley, Mississippi, talking to my buddy about golf. If I was playing golf, in that type of tournament with that six-inch rough that they had, Drew, I might would have shot 200. Oh, there ain't no might to it. <laughs> it might would have taken me yeah. 180, 200 strokes to finish that round. Right, right. Um, so. But, yeah, shout-out Michael Blocky. Uh, you know, proud of you for living in the moment and, and being humble about it, just the way he carried himself last weekend. It was really fun to watch. Did you um, see what he said? I don't want to debunk your humble theory. Oh, yeah. But did you see what he said about McElroy? I'm talking about last weekend. I'm not talking about the midweek comments. (laughs) So he started feeling himself. He started feeling himself. And for everybody who who hasn't heard, he did say that the only difference between him and Rory is how far that Rory could hit it off the tee. And if you have that kind of distance, you'll be a PGA professional. But... I'm sorry, Mike. There's a few different things, yeah. which he did follow up with yeah. a clarifying statement. But, uh, but yeah, that was a little yeah. bit out there. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to wrap up with one philosophical question. So oh, we've been okay. talking about sports all night, and we started with a little bit of unsports. We're going to finish with non-sports okay. topics. So this gentleman was sentenced to life in prison for murder. He killed somebody, life in, life in prison. Right? Okay, yeah. He is found unresponsive and dead in his cell. Uh, don't tell me this is a... So, this is a true story. 
So the, the medics at the jail rush in and they revive him. He is non-responsive. He has no pulse, no respiration. Homie is clinically dead. He does not have a DNR, so they resuscitate him and bring him back to life. He has now appealed to the court system saying that he satisfied his life sentence because he died in prison. And since he has been brought back to life, he should be set free for serving a life sentence. Thoughts? Um, <laughs> should've went, should've I mean, the conversation. <laughs> I mean, I mean, on one hand, homie has a point, but on the other hand, I mean, no. clinically dead is in the dirt dead. No, no, like clinically dead is you have no signs of life. Like dead, dead is in the dirt, buried, and you're done. Well, I mean, does the law say you have to be clinically dead or in the it dirt? It says dead? a life sentence. That's all it really says. Well, if he's still alive. <laughs> did he get? Is this a reincarnated situation? Or? He was dead with no pulse. They shocked him with the little little pads and brought him back to life, and he is now a living human being. He was brought back, claiming that he served out his life sentence because he died in prison. Theoretically, he died in prison. Yeah, I thought this you were you were setting up an Epstein joke here. No, I'm not. This is a real thing. It's a real, real life thing that this man died in prison and then was revived and now wants out of his life sentence. I would, I'd say, what's the crime? <laughs> Given that he's a life and sinner and it's murder, yeah, you just keep because you're not in there because uh, because you're alive. You're in there because you killed somebody. So that same person is in the same body and still likely to kill somebody. Yeah, I think you should still go to jail. And so the court in Iowa determined that <clears throat> Mr. Schreiber is either still alive, in which case he must remain in prison, or he is actually dead, in which case this appeal is moot. So basically, yeah. if, if you're still alive, if you're, still, you're still in prison. If you're standing in this courtroom right now as the person who murdered people, you should still be in jail. The yeah. prisoner, Benjamin Schreiber, made the argument in, in, an appellate, in an appeals court in Iowa saying that when he briefly died in 2015 before being revived at a hospital, that he completed his obligation to the state. He asked the three-judge panel to let him uh, get on with his life. And the judges rejected this argument. He said, get on with his life. Dude, you're serving a life <laughs> sentence. Life Do sentence. not see the parallels here. He killed a man in 1996 and was convicted of murder um, and has filed several unsuccessful appeals. Uh, and this was his appeal in 2018, saying his sentence had expired when he died after having seizures due to a high fever in prison. Yeah, you should just stay in prison, my man. My man, it's, it ain't no, it ain't working for you, yeah. bud. So uh, just to recap where we're at here in the base, the basketball game that we're watching, uh, it is uh, shoot, YouTube TV's got the little bar in front of fifty nine to fifty five Boston, eleven minutes to go in the third quarter. So the second half just started. Uh, we're gonna keep an eye on this. Me and Rusty are going to go hang out for a little bit. I don't have anything else for the pod. Rusty, you got anything left? That's all I got. Thanks for being with us in our technological advanced Oh, episode. man. I'm telling we'll you. We'll see what happens. Listen, if you're listening to this, that means that it worked and we picked up the audio clearly through GarageBand. And if not, 
We'll make a post. <laughs> yeah. I hope this worked because this is, this is us going to the moon when it comes to our technological experience here. So we have got an Instagram live going. We have got GarageBand going, recording the audio, I hope. And we've got video on QuickTime Player that I hope is still going. Still going. And so uh, well, that's we're going to end it here. Everybody cross your fring- fingers, say a prayer that this all worked. And if you're not watching live on Instagram, I hope everybody else can hear it tomorrow <laughs> on uh, your favorite podcast app. Otherwise, uh, we'll be back here next week. Check us out wherever you get your podcast, wherever you get your social media. Give us a like, a share, a follow. Leave us a, a comment, a rating. Please, the more ratings, the more exposure we get. Hope you had a laugh and have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye.